Becker's Hospital Review is committed to delivering our audience safe access to vital educational opportunities. With this in mind, our 11th annual meeting will be in virtual format for the first time. Whether in the home or workplace, attendees will have access to sessions where industry leaders will be discussing the most pressing issues in healthcare, including the rise of virtual care, addressing clinician burnout, and delivering on-price transparency. To learn more, click on the conference tab at beckershospitalreview.com. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare Podcast Series. I am Brian Zimmerman, Senior Director of Client Content and Strategy with Becker's Hospital Review. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Mike Morris, President and CEO, and Linda Corley, Compliance Officer of Extend Healthcare. Mike Morris, who joined Extend Healthcare in 2016, is responsible for leading the company. With more than 25 years in the field of revenue cycle management, Mike has earned an outstanding reputation. Mike is also an active member of several healthcare associations and holds a bachelor's and master's degree in accounting from the University of North Texas. Linda Corley serves as Extend Healthcare's senior leader in the areas of compliance and reimbursement consulting services. She has more than 25 years experience working directly for or with hospitals in the areas of patient financial services, health information management, and accounting. Linda holds an MBA and is credentialed as an AAPC certified professional coder. Mike and Linda, thank you so much for talking with us today. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Thanks for having us. And just to start out here, I'm wondering if we can sort of briefly, I say briefly, but we could probably have a whole hour-long conversation about the question I'm about to ask you, but can you briefly talk about the evolution of, of price transparency in healthcare and how did we get where we are today? Yeah, so I'll, I'll take that first question. And again, I, I really do appreciate the forum and the opportunity. I think you guys do a great job of helping educate the industry on a variety of topics via these podcasts. So we're always uh, pleased to be able to participate when we can. Uh, and as to your question, it's, it's interesting. Our current iteration of price transparency is really 12 years in the making. It, in Section 2718 of the Affordable Care Act way back in 2010 when it was enacted, had a section that said that hospitals would make public a list of standard charges. And the at first, hospitals tried to solve for that by making their CDM or charge description master available. But over time, that really wasn't uh, solving the problem. So, you know, I was, you know, like examples, and one example I found interesting was on a national public radio uh, broadcast recently. They were talking about a patient in Fort Myers, Florida, that had two separate CT scans in a short period of time, two separate facilities, and one scan cost $300. The other one was $9,000, a 300-fold increase. So, so, you know, when you start thinking about why do we need price transparency, it's examples like that that I think confuse the public. And certainly publishing the CDM didn't go very far to help alleviate that confusion amongst uh, patients and prospective patients. So in November of 2019, the CMS published uh, price transparency requirements for hospitals to make standard charges public, uh, which was a mouthful that provided a lot of detail 
that caused a lot of work here over the last couple of years amongst health systems to be able to comply with that final rule. The, the final rule required all hospitals to do more than just publish their CDM. They needed to do a couple of things. Number one, they had to have a machine-readable file of all of their services available and then they had to have a more consumer-friendly view of 300 what they call shoppable services, 70 of which were pre-identified by CMS, the other 230 of which the hospital could choose their shoppable services. So uh, it's a lot of work, and, and you have to be able to show gross charges, the discounted cash price that you charge to somebody that was paying cash and not going through their insurance company, you'd have to show payer-specific negotiated rates that you've got in place with various uh, payers, and then on a de-identified basis, the lowest and highest negotiating charge amongst all of the payers that you're contracted with. So, it's a lot of information that was required to be put into place as of January 1st of this year. People viewed that as an IT challenge, I think, because it was a, a heavy lift to be able to comply with the requirements by January 1st. And we sort of lost the revenue cycle and patient experience uh, purpose behind the price transparency rules to begin with. So, so here's kind of my thought on where we are today. Uh, so we talked about the history, now where are we as an industry? Uh, I think that we're still trying to get our arms around that IT challenge. I saw a survey recently where hospitals uh, felt like their compliance rate was at about 30%, meaning 70% of hospitals felt that they fell short on some aspect of their price transparency obligations. The good news is the fines are relatively small today in order to become compliant, but there's still a lot of work to achieve uh, compliance from an IT perspective. Second thing I'd say is we haven't really figured out yet how to make this a positive revenue cycle differentiator for those facilities that are compliant and have published the shoppable services as well as a more complete machine-readable file. And, and I'd say the last thing is it's going to become more critical over time as the percentage of healthcare costs shifts from uh, third-party payers and other payers to the patient each year. Each year the patient has taken on a larger obligation and with that they're going to become much more discerning consumers and therefore getting price transparency right over time is going to be a critical imperative for hospitals that are trying to grow their market share in the communities that they serve. Definitely. I mean, I mean you, you covered like sort of the the essentialness of price transparency and also got into you know why it is such a challenge and where we're at today. I think that you walked us through that nicely there. And then I want to focus more on these challenges with this this next question. So, you know, you talked about sort of the IT challenge, getting your arms around that um, and sort of the complexity of, of meeting these requirements. But 
What, what else can you say about the primary barriers to compliance hospitals are coming up against? And, and you know, how can they really work to overcome these barriers? Hi. Um, I think I would add that in addition to simply the complexity of determining, as Mike has mentioned, these five different charge amounts for every service, item, procedure, exam, everything that is going to be provided by a hospital, I think there's been a little bit of misunderstanding in that if the hospital has a patient cost estimator, it will take the place of the 300 shoppable, the consumer-friendly list, as Mike mentioned, but the hospital still needs to post these very complex payer minimum and maximum and, and simply all of the charge parameters around the services that the hospital is providing. Of course, uh, hospitals were asked to do this during the COVID-19 pandemic, so I don't think resources were as readily available as perhaps in prior years to simply address the complexity of analyzing and reporting as is required. I do think hospitals are coming to understand the importance of not only having the machine-readable list, but simply understanding the information that's being placed in those charge amounts and how they can be discussed with patients uh, in order to improve the patient experience, let's say. So I think the hospitals that we are working with are still diligently doing their very best to have the information for, of course, for it to be current, and then simply to maintain the information. Although CMS tells us it needs to be updated annually, I think it's important to the facility to understand I want my charges and particularly this very specific charge information to be as up-to-date as possible. So I still think we're in the midst of complying with the specific regulations, but I do think hospitals are now focusing more attention on com completing and, and posting what is needed, uh, although, as Mike mentioned, we still have a ways to go. Definitely, definitely. And then, you know, can, can we talk more about sort of the, the benefits of maybe achieving compliance sort of outside of avoiding penalties, even though the penalties aren't that, that steep at, the, at this time? What, what other benefits will these new requirements yield for providers? One conversation that we continue to have with some of our clients is they are very much aware that by not only having charges posted, but being able either to track the inquiries that are coming in and then simply, you know, have a means for that particular patient to click on a link to go to a financial counselor or perhaps to customer service, simply to have a person-to-person -person interaction about, you know, what service are you considering or what are you interested in finding out your particular patient cost share amount and how can we help explain that to you. Um, certainly, we understand that involving patient access in the very beginning of the patient experience yields uh, the best results we can possibly hope for. Having that patient understand what his or her coverage may be and then simply talking to the patient uh, about quality of care and uh, perhaps our physicians that are assigned or who are working in these areas. So I think that opportunity for engagement is extremely important. And then also just working with that patient perhaps on 
different funding methods, you know, if they don't have coverage for a particular service, how can that be worked out financially? I just think that opportunity to, as I said, engage, communicate with the patient on a one-on-one basis at the beginning of that patient searching for the perhaps the best price they can find is extremely invaluable. I, I, I also think that more and more hospitals are understanding it is important that I be able to provide a cost estimate that is well-founded so that patients continue uh, to come back to our particular facility for services because they know that we're able to share that information and that it's accurate, and that, I think, does create a bond of a patient. Yeah, Linda, I think that's a great point. It's, you know, when people draw out their revenue cycle and think about the end-to-end nature of revenue cycle, this is a kind of a neat opportunity to start the revenue cycle pre-registration, pre-scheduling, where you can have meaningful conversations with a prospective patient as they're making their decision as to where they want services performed. So so this is a chance to elongate the revenue cycle and engage a patient very early on, which we believe will dramatically reduce the amount of uh, patient collections that are necessary post-service because they'll understand what they owe and they'll be able to make an informed decision on the front end. Totally, I, I think that definitely uh, it hooks into my next question, right, which is you've sort of already begun to lay out. You made the case for why this benefits providers with this engagement opportunity with patients. But, of course, uh, the, the other side of that that's sort of integrated there is how it benefits patients, which is having these engagement opportunities and having that more healthcare financial literacy, perhaps. But I, w- I wanted to give either of you uh, some space here to talk perhaps more about how making these changes can directly benefit patients. Well, I, I think uh, even CMS in, in its stated purpose for having the patient understand what a, a service is going to cost, I think all patients are more likely to have a needed or a medically necessary service when they do understand what it is specifically going to cost him or her. Uh, and and as we mentioned, I think simply that although we understand a patient does need to focus on cost, we want to share the quality of services that we can provide and, and simply make that patient aware perhaps uh, of different methodologies for making sure their financial obligation can be met. I also think, as Mike mentioned, when I work with patients and, and I can not only provide financial information, but reassure that patient that our particular hospital is going to provide the service that they need, that we are going to work with the patient in a very positive way to offer services. Yes, we want to be paid, and we want the patient to understand what his or her obligation may be. But I think the compassion or the the care that all of our hospitals feel toward that patient comes through once they start having conversations. They may think they're just checking a website to find out about a cost, but then I think this follow-up, and particularly having someone with that customer service background who can share uh, how that particular payer may reimburse for services or how perhaps an incident in the past of where a particular facility has worked with a payer to uh, get additional services reimbursed, 
I think that tells the story of what the hospital is there for. And that, of course, is to take care of the community, the patients within the area right around the hospital. And all of this does work together, I think, for not only understanding, as I mentioned, financial obligation, but simply having that patient see that the hospital is their ally and wanting to provide the services they need. I just think it, it is, as CMS has told us, it provides, although I don't like the, the term so much, it does provide a win-win situation for the patient to understand, for the hospital to uh, have the opportunity to provide additional information and to really win that patient over to the side of the hospital being the care provider, number one, I would say. Some really, really important points there. I, I, you know, it's just so important that, that hospitals do continue to serve that role and build those relationships with the community. One final question, Mike and Linda, is there anything else you'd like to add here? Anything you want our listeners to know about this topic that maybe we didn't cover? Yeah, the thing I would add, you know, we, we started our conversation thinking about the history of how we got to where we are, talked a little bit about where we think we are today, but I think the future state is, is an interesting thing to think of as well. Uh, we believe that uh, we're not too far away from what I'd call the price line or travelocity model which is internet aggregators laying out price comparisons amongst all facilities within X number of miles, which will really disintermediate the whole healthcare industry in many respects, just like it did in other verticals. I think as an industry, we need to figure out how do you tie all of this information into a better experience for patients, because where patients feel like they're getting the best experiences when they, is where they will go for their healthcare services. So as a health system looks to grow their market share, I think it's going to be very important to try to help a patient understand the totality of the decision. It's not just price-related. There's quality of care, as Linda mentioned, that are important considerations as well. And then, of course, there's other things coming down the pike, such as surprise billing legislation will go into effect at January 1 of next year, which is an intent to try to limit the amount of out-of-network out of surprise bills that cause patients to be very dissatisfied. So, all of this is very, very linked together in that patient journey as they're setting out to get care. And I think that the health systems that view this as an opportunity to increase their communication with their patients will find that it will help them grow their market share. And those that just view this as an IT burden that they can check the box and say they're done, those are the ones that will struggle over time to be able to maintain their market share because there'll be other health systems out there positioning themselves in a manner that attracts more patients. So uh, I'll close by saying, you know, we you know, extend healthcare is in the revenue cycle business, so we very much view this entire endeavor as having strong revenue cycle linkages. So if there's anyone out there that wants to continue the conversation, we'd be delighted. Uh, to, to get together via phone and talk through what we're seeing uh, other health systems do, what we see our customers do, and where we think things are headed as an industry when it comes to price transparency.
Well, Mike and Linda, we certainly appreciate that and uh, appreciate you taking the time here and such a good place to finish. Uh, you know, as you pointed out, Mike, we started by talking about the history and I think you gave uh, our listeners a good look at where we're probably headed here. So, Mike, Linda, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. I'd also like to thank Extend Healthcare for sponsoring this episode. Please also check out the upcoming webinar sponsored by Extend Healthcare titled Surprise Billing Legislation, a small win for providers with big revenue cycle process changes. That will take place on February 25th. You can register for the webinar on beckershospitalreview.com. You can also tune in to more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page.